0: Church, good morning, it's awesome to be together, uh, we are having a great service, before. I just want to say, uh, Josh and Paige's family group, you guys have done a great job leading us in an awesome service, we're really great to see you guys, and it's been really great to have just different family groups lead us in uh, the worship, I hope we can continue to do that, I appreciate everyone putting time into it, hearing Phil's uh, you know, story was powerful, and uh, the communion, and the uh, offering, and the welcome—it was just really great. It helped my heart a lot. Uh, let's start off with a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll jump into the message. How about that? Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we are so thankful that just you care for us. What is man that you are mindful of him? You are so, so lofty and great, and yet you are right here uh, inside of me. Um, You are in the farthest part of the universe, even outside of it, and you are in the smallest uh, places of the universe. And God, we are thankful that you cover us, Lord, that you are just everywhere, and you are everywhere because you love us, God. We're so thankful, Lord, that your love, uh, it, it, it drives away all fear in our life, God. And that your son, Jesus, came uh, as Emmanuel, God with us, onto this earth, God, that you would, would come down to sweat with us, Lord, and to bleed with us, Lord, and to feel what we feel, Lord, and to live a humble life as we are, God, in service to the King, Lord, we're so thankful that uh, we can study out your word and that God, we have your word available to us. We don't want to take that for granted. We know people right now, I got a letter from um, some Bible association saying that people are trying in secret in, in the Middle East to translate the Bible so that in their own native tongue so that people can um, read it in their language. And that they just take scraps of of the, uh, a pieces of paper and just writing it down as quickly as they can in secret, so they can read your word. And I'm so convicted sometimes how I, I mean I have ten Bibles in my home, God, all different versions, and and God, yet these people are just wanting to just under just get one chapter in the Bible, in their own tongue, Lord. And God, I'm thankful that we have it and that we can read about. The, the, the Christ Child today, especially with Mary and Joseph, and how they truly were the first people to give up everything for Jesus, and we pray that this message could impact us during this time of uh, holiday season but but forever, Lord, uh, thank you so much for the gospel, the good news, the event that changes our lives now and forever change our lives in the future. Thank you in the name of Christ, we pray amen. amen. Awesome guys, well, um, we are—we've been going through a series of uh, oops. Oh, it's not good. It's not happening. It's just my PowerPoint is not upon us. So, how beautiful it is, is, isn't Amen. How beautiful. We're just going to get old-fashioned today, and wouldn't it be right, as Mary and Joseph, that we get old-fashioned today? Um, let's go to First Corinthians 15. Amen. Um, amen. Well, there's a lot of needs during the holiday season, isn't there? Yes. We feel a lot of different things, don't we? Right. Every day we go through a lot. And, um, I don't know what Christmas is going to be for you, but I think there's a lot of pressure that the world puts on this season. And yet, um, we don't need that pressure. Amen? We can just forsake it right now. Take a deep breath. Let it go. That's not what Christmas is about. Christ's Mass. That's what it's about, right? So my goal this Christmas isn't to... Just not to roast on an open fire. Those kind of songs and having that time... Or a white Christmas. I've been dreaming of a white Christmas. All those things would be great, right? And sure do want to have some fun. But I want to worship the Christ. Yeah. I want to have some time with Jesus to worship Him. And I want to just remind you that let that be your goal for this season. Amen? Amen. Take the pressure off. Enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy the time off. But don't make it what the world makes it. Because the world doesn't know Christ's Mass. Amen? Amen. The way it should be. What is Christ's Mass? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and let's hear a little bit what Paul says is the what what really saves us, what really fulfills us. Amen? Amen? And we've been doing this message on this kind of series on the gospel, the good news, the event of the king conquering. And giving us that news, that event that gives us freedom now and forever. What did Paul say in verse 1? Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. That must have been crazy. 500 of them all together? You don't think, oh well. That's a ghost. No, you say, well, that we all saw that. Imagine visiting one of these witnesses, guys. Mm-hmm. I am jealous that I can't go back and visit a witness. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you know, he didn't have to be an apostle. He you know, I would talk to a cricket. <laughs> if that cricket saw the Christ resurrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible to think about you could go travel and visit one of these people. And they say, Yes, I saw him. I ate with him. He is risen. I don't have faith. It's a fact. It's an event in my life. I mean, I obviously have faith, but but I will never forget what I saw. I mean, just as much as, you know, I remember anything, I remember this event that took place. After that, he appeared to 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, the Lord's brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. We're not going to spend much time in this passage, but I want you to spend some time in this passage, because the gospel is what saves you, and it's the only thing that saves you. The gospel isn't a doctrine or advice, it's an event That saves you. And what is this event, according to Paul, according to Scripture? It's that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Old Testament Scriptures. We're going to talk about that. And then he appeared to Cephas. He was buried, right? Sorry, he was buried, which is a super important understanding of that, in tomb for three days. And he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Again, according to the Scriptures the Old Testament verses. This was prophesied. This was an event that was planned by the sovereign, awesome God in whom the angel said, no word of the Lord will ever fail. We're going to look at that. We're going to think about that today. So uh, if you do have your app, we have a little technology involved, which is really awesome. Um, On the notes section, there's, there's some notes you can, you know, there's some, a Section of uh, the app here of our new app, Mary and Joseph Sermon Notes, that you can look through. That uh, I think are really helpful, and I love it because I have my notes saved from different times and I can email those to myself. But there is some important questions that I'm going to ask at the end that you could go back to later. Amen. Amen. Um, let's go to Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7. Look at this verse here. <clears throat> Today's message is called Mary and Joseph, the first people to give up everything for Jesus. I want you to think about that for a second. Mary and Joseph, the first people to give up everything for Jesus. And I'm talking about when Jesus was on the earth. Obviously, Abraham gave up his son for Jesus. This is what I believe. Jesus was the one who spoke to Abraham. Jesus was also the one speaking to Abraham. Moses in the burning bush but this is the first time as the Immaculate Conception happened that, that essentially this is the first time this is the first people that gave up everything for Jesus and I don't think we think about Mary and Joseph in that way we have this vision of them in the manger and it's a nice thing to think about um, we've seen nativity and we understand a little bit of the background but make no mistake they give up everything for Jesus And this was hard. This was not an easy thing to swallow, to understand. And it took great faith. And we can imitate Mary and Joseph. One of the most underrated spiritual men in the Bible is Joseph. We're going to talk about Joseph a little bit today. Isaiah 7, verse 14, is an amazing verse in the Bible. And it says, verse 14, Therefore... The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, this little verse, this little verse in the Bible is incredible because it's written 750 years before Christ ever walked on the earth, before Christ even was born. So 750 B.C. is when Isaiah wrote this. And I've seen the Dead Sea Scrolls with my own eyes that were 150 B.C. dated. And I've seen the book of Isaiah, and I've seen that verse. And it says that very thing. Dated, carbon dated, to that exact time period. Make no mistake, this was a prophecy from Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah is one of the most underrated prophets as well in the whole Bible. This guy, half of the New Testament quotations about Jesus was from Isaiah, were from Isaiah. Isaiah was a man who sought in two in his relationship with God as he prophesied. He was a man who prophesied about the coming of the kingdom and the coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11 Isaiah 53, you know, I, Isaiah 59, so many in almost every fourth or fifth chapter, he's prophesying yeah. about Jesus Christ. Brings you chills down your spine, isn't it? It's kind of like, whoa, this guy was in touch with what was going about to happen. What an amazing, sacred uh, office he had yeah. to speak about this. And he says, a young woman or a virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. And we will call him Emmanuel. And if you look at Emmanuel in that little, first time I did this, it brought chills down my spine to look at what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. We named our third child Emmanuel. Because of that. It's also because, uh, you know, Danielle's grandfather's named Manuel as well. And, and also her brother named Manuel. But we love the name, God with us. And in this particular case, in Manny's particular case, our son, we believe God's with us. And it's a reminder of that. In this situation, it's God with us, which is amazing. Now, I've had many conversations with Jewish people and with Muslims and they say the word alma is what the Hebrew word says and it's the Hebrew word which means young woman of childbearing age and they argue that it doesn't say virgin it says alma which means a young woman of not childbearing, of childbearing age now What's interesting is um, Muslims believe in the virgin birth. In the Quran, they believe in the virgin birth. They say, Jesus was born virgin. And Jesus was born of a virgin Mary, which is interesting. Isn't it interesting? They support that. They support this prophecy. The the Jewish people, I remember, as I talked to people, I remember I had this accountant teacher, and he's like, you're a Christian. You seem like a serious Christian. I love this account. He's in New York. He's like, so you read your Bible a lot, huh? And I'm like, yeah, show me a scripture. And I was like, we're at lunchtime. I was like, okay. So I went to Isaiah 714. I said, listen, I'm not going to tell you what this says and what's this talking about. Who is it talking about? Oh, that's talking about Jesus. What is that, New Testament? He obviously wasn't the most pious of Jews. I said, no, that's the Old Testament. He goes, what? A Jew wrote that? I was like, well, yeah. He was a prophet, Isaiah. Wait. Why don't you show this to all the Jewish people? They will all become Christians. I was like, you know, I wish it was that easy. You know, we're stubborn. We're really stubborn. That's what he says. It was a funny moment. Then I invited him to church. And he said, no. But it was interesting. His reaction. To that verse, I mean, it just stuck out to him. The Now, what would be the sign if a young woman of childbearing age had a son? Would that be a sign from the Lord? Whoa! Corinne had a child! Whoa! I mean, we're excited about Corinne having a child, and we're really excited about, you know, Daniel, and he excites me every time I see him. He's awesome. But it's not a sign from the Lord that something amazing is going to happen. So the Masoretic scribes, who were Jewish scribes, translated in the Septuagint into Parthianus, which means virgin. And that's the, that, that's the Bible that Matthew quoted from when he said in a Matthew 1, or, or Luke, I think it's you know, it's Matthew 1, when Matthew quoted, the virgin will be with child, Thus said the prophet, and we will call him Emmanuel. And that was the Old Testament of the time. It was the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew manuscripts. And so it was very much a fact that virgin was the word. And that was what's interesting. The Masoretic scribes, that was the word they translated Alma into into virgin because they, they knew that was the closest word to describe exactly what the prophet meant so just to encourage your faith there I don't know if you've gotten that deep with a Jewish person or if you ever want to share that but, but that's important for us to know that's important for me to know in my faith that it says virgin and that Alma means young woman of childbearing age but it means more than that it means that this child, young ch- woman of childbearing age is going to be doing something amazing and will conceive and give birth and I, I, I hate to do this but I asked Brianna to come up here. Please come up. Please come up. Please come up. If you can just help me out. I know you have your friends here and everything. But I, I want to, just just... It'll be real quick. Just come on up here. She's a sold-out disciple of Jesus Christ. Give her a hand. I'm sorry. I didn't know your friends were going to be good. Remember we had this conversation? I did not think you said to come up, but... I should have been more clear. Well... I want you to... Now, Brianna just turned 17. She's pretty awesome. And she's not as... She's older than probably Mary was. Mary was probably 14, 15, 16. And I just want you to think, because I need a visual, (laughs) of what it might be like for Brianna to be kicked out of her house Homeless, um, no job, shamed and disgraced because she did not, she did a, a wicked thing. She committed adultery and she was, yeah, I know it's hard to do that, right? Not laugh. But I, I want you to think about that, that just tell Brianna, go out to the street. You can never get hired again because you're a disgrace. You'll bring a curse on our uh, business. If, if you come with, you're, you're already unclean, you already, your life is over. Mm-hmm. And therefore, now, you might as well be dead. Mm-hmm. And that's why they stoned people. Yeah. Yeah. It was like merciful. Mm-hmm. Because it would be better that you be stoned. Wow. I'm so sorry I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you can to church you. so much. No, I I understand. Thank I you. Like, okay, like, give it for Brianna. <laughs> Hopefully, she still loves me. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Actually, no, let's go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to move on. I think it's powerful to think about that, what Mary and Joseph went through. And that's why I say they gave up everything. Because Mary, in that choice, gave up everything, she didn't know how Joseph was going to react. But what she says to the angel Gabriel, I don't know if there's anything more powerful in all the Bible. And I tell you the truth, I go through Mary's account real quick when I'm reading Luke. I'm like, let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, virgin birth, yeah, that's great. Do you do that? I do that sometimes. I was able to sit and be in awe of what Gabriel says about Jesus to her. So let's go to Luke chapter 1. and it it's as we talk about Mary giving up everything i want to ask you the question have you given up everything like she has have you truly been able to give up everything and not just give up everything but be excited about your calling in christ you know you're like white knuckling giving up everything or are you like mary Who says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Wow. This meant I'm never going to have a job. I'm going to be shamed for the rest of my life. I'm 14, 15 years old, and literally everyone is going to look at me in a strange way for the rest of my life. But may your word be fulfilled. Because I care more about what you think, God. Than what men think. That's right. Interesting. Verse 26. In the sixth month, chapter 1, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary answered the angel, since I am a virgin? Good question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy Spirit one to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled Then the angel left. We'll stop right there. Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're highly favored. And I believe this family, Joseph, Mary, uh, Zachariah, Elizabeth, what a family. (laughs) You are going to have John the Baptist, the preparer of the Lord's way prophesied in Isaiah, by the way. And you're also are going to have in your family, at the Christmas parties, you're going to have Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Both of these families, one family was kind of a, a leadership family, the priesthood family, right? Zachariah and Elizabeth. other one was a poor girl from Nazareth, just a, a no-place town. Very interesting, huh? Just the background of it all. And and what he says about the Son of God, let's look at that. He says, his name will be Jesus, which means the Lord saves. The same word in the Bible, in the Old Testament, for Joshua. The Lord will save. Pretty cool, right? Joshua, Yeshua. That's what they, it's the same word for Jesus. And Joshua brought them into the promised land. While Moses and the law could never get into the promised land. Interesting how everything lines up. Coincidence? I think not. Then he says, the throne, he will will give the throne of David. This is what was prophesied in Samuel and all the other Old Testament prophets. that says he will be the king who set up a kingdom that will be forever and will sit on it forever. How do you do that? only by being eternal. Right. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. When's church end, Glenn? The people ask me a lot. <laughs> never. never Amen? Amen? It's never going to end. Right now in our life. Because church isn't just on Sunday. Yeah. The kingdom isn't just on Sunday. It's forever. Amen. And he says, how will this be? And And it says that the, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Doesn't that just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. This year, it's sort of just like, what? God has such power that he just sends his wind and creates. The Holy Spirit just overshadows. I, I don't even understand that. I don't think I ever will. Amen. But it's easy for God. God. Because nothing, he says, will fail to not happen. He, his word, other versions say, for nothing is impossible for God. And I love that those versions. That version is more like inspiring. Nothing's impossible for God. That's kind of like a little easier to understand. But I think the deeper way they took it in, in the new NIV is even more powerful to me now. What's it say? For no word from God will ever fail. No word. You could chew on that for years. Everything you read that God says will happen. He will come back. He will take you to be with him. What he says happens. What I say doesn't always happen. What you says doesn't usually always happen. But what God says always will happen. That's right. So he must be listened to and respected the most. He is the one who we must take serious at his word. People take God's word not serious. We can take God's word not serious. We need to remember that amazing fact, that wonderful and terrible fact that no word from God will ever fail. Verse 39, at the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Ugea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. She's getting encouragement. But why am I so favored? This is Elizabeth. That the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of her greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of my humble state of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their utmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I would have stayed there the whole time, but she returned home, facing it with a big old belly. the Holy Spirit kind of said, Glenn, just focus on Mary today. Get Joseph two weeks from now. Because it would be a disservice to rush over to Joseph right now. It would be a disservice to Joseph. And it would be a disservice to Mary. So we're just going to end with Mary, Amen?" amen? So that we can think about this, this next week. You know, the song she says, I'm amazed at this because I don't think, at this point, when did she actually find out that Joseph was going to accept her? Where was Joseph? Not here. When you you pledged to be married in the Jewish culture, you were already married in the law. And I don't know why, they just kind of had a longer engagement which I'm grateful I don't live in that time because I just wanted to marry Danielle. You, know? you know what I mean? It got a little, it must have been a little awkward. You know what I mean? They got used to it culturally, but you would not be in the same house. You were pledged to be married. You were married though under the law and, and already money was exchanged. A dowry was already happening and things were already set up and you lived like you were married other than just those things like being together together. And you wouldn't really be together. It would be like, a, how you doing? Like a fellowship hug. Do you know what I mean? That's about it. But you were married to this woman. And that was an interesting time period. But they, they had some things to figure out for us. There were some things to, to work through. And that time set up the, the, the wedding a, a banquet that would finally consummate and, and, and make that marriage official. And for a woman to be pledged to be married, and then to become pregnant during that time. There was trouble. It was scandalous. It was a scandal for that to happen. Scandalous at many levels. You know, with humility and little fanfare, Mary accepted both the honor God gives her, as well as the shame that was going to come upon her. Do you accept the shame that comes upon you and not just the honor of being a Christian? There's shame. There is shame not from God, but from people. People don't understand sometimes what we do. And people weren't going to understand this because God is not something to be understood all the time. In the Middle East, a person's place in the community is their primary source of identity. If you were introducing yourself to an Eastern, a Middle Eastern woman, she would not even say her name. She would tell you her oldest son's name and what tribe she's from. It's pretty humbling, huh? In our culture, what do we say? You know, Sarah would say, I'm Sarah, and I work at IDEX. I'm an engineer, right? Just graduate, about to graduate. That's how we identify. But if you were a woman back then, you would not identify like that. You would say, I'm, my son would be Jesus, the scandalous. To us, that's amazing. Your son's Jesus? Really? That's awesome. But to others, oh, that's the carpenter's son. I was digging into that a little deeper. Oh, that's the carpenter's son. What that meant back then. I don't know if it meant, oh, that's the carpenter's son. That's the one who does the carpentry. And that's the son. (laughs) I don't think that's what it meant. I think it was that was the illegitimate son. The carpenter's son. The Bible says in Mark and in Luke, they, they took offense at him in Nazareth. You're that carpenter's son. We know who you are. Now you come to us and come into our synagogue. And say that's the word of the Lord been fulfilled. And you can see actually Jesus' reaction, I think righteous reaction. He didn't let emotions get to him. But he kicked back some fire in Luke 4. You don't try to throw off someone from a cliff. Because you said some difficult things. He was like, You said physician, heal yourself. I tell you that, you know, Elijah didn't just didn't go to any of you to do any miracles. He went to a widow, a Gentile widow. Remember that. There's a little bit of exchange of words there. Jesus was righteous in everything he said, but I'm sure Joseph being passed away, it did hurt him. And he could perform no miracles in that town. Why could you not perform any miracles in a town that grew up with Jesus? Now, we know no one has honor in their own upbringings, in their hometown, and that's what he kind of said. And I get that. When I go back to my town, people are like, no way you're a minister. I went to my 10 year anniversary, everyone started freaking out when I told them I'm a minister. No way. Profanity kept coming forth from everyone. Show me your Bible. Yep. <laughs> I was like, uh, I didn't bring it with me. Quote a passage of scripture then. So I did. And back then they didn't have internet. Ten years ago you couldn't just Google someone, right? Wow, that's messed up. My ten year high school didn't have Google. Wow. Okay. But <laughs> to think about that my hometown was giving me, but but people still call me up and go, hey Glenn, I'm interested in God. Could you connect me with the church? I see your life changing. I mean, I get no one in their hometown has it, but you can still make a big difference. One woman in Albania from her home village converted 22 women and men. So don't tell me that's always the case. But for Jesus, the carpenter's son, the illegitimate son, no one believed Mary, and Mary's almost stopped believing it. It's deep if you think about it. The amount of, and then for to lose Joseph, the strength of their family, and just have Jesus now. What about Jesus going and taking house calls? What would that be like? Going to people's homes? And obviously Jesus was so righteous and so amazing that they trusted him anyways. But this is scandalous, guys. It was almost certain that no one believed her. If she wasn't stoned to death, she could be cast out of her community, divorced by Joseph, and scorned by all who knew her. Apart from her own people, she could hardly be considered a person. You know, if, if, if Brie, unfortunately, would, this is crazy to say, she got thrown out of her family, I think she'd survive. You know, especially Brie. <laughs> you know, she, she's a strong woman, and she'd survive. She would figure out a way, you know, she, you, I wouldn't be surprised at all because of the strength he has but if that happened, it'd be very difficult and that's what's amazing about Mary's proclamation <clears throat> may your word to me be fulfilled do you feel that in your life do you say I am the Lord's servant that comes with something When you say, I serve the Lord, it's not just, I serve the Lord, isn't this great? It comes at a price. But the the amazing blessing of serving the Lord can't even compare to the cost that we have. Mary's a young girl, no status, in a country bumpkin village in lower Galilee, yet she receives God's word to her in complete trust. Many of us have a hard time relating to this woman, can't we? Yet, haven't we all as disciples done the same thing? Made the the same pledge to give up everything? Let's end in Luke 14. I think, in many ways, I'm a man, so relating to Mary is difficult. But today I feel like she's my sister. And she was the first one to give up everything. For Jesus. Didn't she give up her thing? She even gave up her own son. It's crazy what I think it's Simeon, or I think it's Simeon, who says, "The Lord will pierce your soul as well." Whoa. It's not the most encouraging blessing. Everything else was great, except that piercing thing. Leave that out next time. But it was true. What did Mary go through all her life? Yeah. I believe Luke knew this story intimately because Luke visited Mary and got to talk with her. I'm jealous of Luke too. In a godly way. You got to be with Mary? What was it like when the Holy Spirit overshadowed you, Mary? I don't know. I didn't even know what happened. <laughs> and isn't that a beautiful response? Because that's how God works. Quietly. Unknowingly still. Luke fourteen thirty three says, Jesus says in the same way, those who do not give up everything they have cannot be my disciples. You can't serve two masters. So therefore, I want to encourage you this holiday season, not think about what you're going to get but what you've given up freely and joyfully for Jesus. Amen. Have you given up everything? Could we honor God more? And I'm not trying to make this a guilt thing. I just want to ask you, what's the Lord putting on your heart this holiday season? To let go of. To be free from. In many ways, we looked at the rich young ruler last week. They did an awesome job. Jim... And uh, Lenny, Jim's sick today. Power came out from him. He preached the word so powerfully. But Jesus was freeing the rich man. He didn't know it. Give up everything. Come follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. I believe God would have blessed him in this life. Because he says anyone who gives up anything gives a hundred times in this life. He didn't realize that was a smart investment. He walked away sad. We can walk away sad sometimes. And I want to encourage us not to walk away sad. But to say what Mary said. I am the Lord's servant. Let your word be fulfilled. Your time. You know, time is the most precious thing we have. Are you holding it back from Jesus? And I want to encourage us. This holiday season, Maybe you're having a hard time getting a midweek. And maybe work is there. I want to encourage you. Think about that for a second. You have control over your schedule. That's a small thing. That's a big thing. But that's, that's a small thing compared to what we all can give up, right? How about more time with the Lord? How about more time helping people? How about more time just being still with God. You know, reputation matters to us, doesn't it? But Mary gave that up. I will be the scandalous woman for the rest of my life, for Jesus. Mary gave up having a career or gave up even having status. Our careers are very important to us, but are we willing to put God first above our careers, above our school? And I'm not saying don't study But I am saying we can't use that as an excuse. Because we have to remember the 14-year-old girl, Mary. Sometimes younger people can convict you more than older people, can't they? A 14-year-old girl says that. Who knows more about Jesus than I do. And I can't give up this little thing. I hope you're moved today to think about that. But remember, Emmanuel is with you. Amen? Amen? God is with us. We don't need to fear. That's what the angel said. Do not fear. He said to Zachariah, Gabriel, that same angel, he was talking to a lot of people at that moment. He's making some, you know, I got a busy week this, you know, I got a busy couple uh, months here. You know? Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. He understood. He had a a perspective. I've seen this guy work for a long time. And nothing he says doesn't come true. Because no word from God will ever fail. Amen. Amen.